Glad to see you today, and I'm excited about the topic that we'll be discussing. Um, as Tracy mentioned, I'll be talking about Psalm 91 today. I'm doing a two-part series, so my goal is to get through half of the psalm today and then the other half um, next week. So we'll see, we'll see how far we get um, in the time. But um, there's so much to talk about here. Psalm 91 is a very important psalm for the church in this hour. Um, God's been highlighting this particular psalm to me really over the past three years or so. I just started seeing um, 911 or 916 or 917 um, um, twice a day, every day, um, for almost the past three years. And I don't see it quite as much um, over this year, um, but I still see it very often, multiple times a week. And, um, and, and I'm talking about, yes, when the clock turns the time or just random signs that are coming up and just the Lord is talking to me, Matthew, this is really important. 916 also happens to be my birthday, um, September 16th, so you can, you know, send me a birthday present um, <laughs> while I'm on the lake, you know, just enjoying the presence of the Lord. That's what I plan to do. Um, but the Lord, I was like, God, you must be like wishing me happy birthday or something. Um, which I think he was kind of like, well, you know, you can take it that way too, Matthew. But here's really what I'm talking about right here. Um, psalm 91. So I just started getting in it even more. And, and, um, and I'd already been familiar with this psalm. I always saw it as a very important one for the body of Christ. Um, but I am seeing this just all over the place. And people are starting to preach on it um, um, a lot more, it seems. Um, by the way, I um, don't have it up here with me, but I want to recommend a book by Joseph Prince, um, Psalm 91, The Prayer of Protection. And he just has a whole book that he's written on Psalm 91. I, I got it. I'm like, man, he's got a book on this. And he just started this whole 30 days of every day in Psalm 91 and just got his whole congregation and the satellite congregation just praying this psalm over themselves and over their families every day. So um, I would encourage you to check out that book. Um, but um, Psalm 916 and Psalm 917, um, 916 is that you will not be afraid of the pestilence that stalks in darkness or the destruction that lays waste at noonday. And then verse 7, though a thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, it shall not come near you. Really good promises, amen? So I started reading these and I'm like, okay, on one hand, this is a very hopeful reality because there is protection against the negative things that are described. However, it's also a very sobering reality because the reason for the protection is because the negative things are happening. Um, and right now, if you just read the news, you listen to the news, you hear all types of negative um, things going on in the world. Um, even just as we're praying today and just the atrocities that, that happened um, um, in Virginia. Um, and and um, some of us will we, we'll read and we read about ISIS and we hear about what's happening over there. We read about Iran being a nuclear nation, nuclear empowered nation. We read recent news of, of North Korea confirming its nuclear missiles arsenal that it's had. And it's easy to read these and just be in such fear. Um, but the Lord hasn't called us to fear. Our inheritance is not to live a life of fear. Jesus said there would be wars and rumors of wars, that kingdom would rise against kingdom and, and nation against nation. There would be pestilence. There would be diseases. There would be earthquakes and all types of natural, economic, and military disasters in the world. But he said to his disciples, do not, do not, do not be troubled. Amen? So, 
But how do we live without that fear or that trouble when we hear troubling news? How can we resist that temptation to be um, sucked into that fear and trouble um, that it might hit us or that might hit our loved ones or it might hit our nation? Um, I believe this is where Psalm 91 comes in. The church is called to be a voice of hope and a voice of truth and a light to the nations in this time. And I believe that as we meditate on the promises of this psalm, it's going to help us wrestle out of that fear and trouble and help us stay anchored in the peace of God. So, um, really, and I want to, as I talk about Psalm 91, I just really want to root this in the message of the beauty of Jesus Christ, what he did at the cross, and what is available to us in him. Um, and I think that's absolutely important because the only guarantee of our safety in troubling times is Jesus. He said, in this world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Amen? So we're going to read through Psalm 91. We're going to discuss um, a few elements about living in the secret place of the Most High. We're going to talk about declaring the promises of Psalm 91 and then rejecting fear. So that's just kind of an outline of what we're going to do today. Um, but um, we're going to have this up on the slides because I want us to recite this together. Um, when we speak out the Word of God, we release the power of God and the angels of God who hearken to the Word of the Lord. Okay, so um, I have up here, if we can go ahead and get those slides up, from uh, the New American Standard Bible. You may have a different version that you enjoy, but um, I love this one, and, uh, and it'll get us all on the same page. So um, please read this aloud with me. I need every single voice in this room participating. So here we go. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For it is he who delivers you from the snare of the trapper and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you may seek refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and bulwark. You will not be afraid of the terror by night or of the arrow that flies by day, of the pestilence that stalks in darkness, or of the destruction that lays waste at noon. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not approach you. You will only look on with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. For you have made the Lord my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil will befall you, nor will any plague come near your tent. For he will give his angels charge concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will bear you up in their hands that you do not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and cobra, the young lion and the serpent you will trample down. Just a few more verses. Because he has loved me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him securely on high because he has known my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With a long life, I will satisfy him and let him see my salvation. Amen. Thank you, everybody.
Again, it's so important to declare the Word of God. It's not enough to just think about it or just read it. We've got to speak it out. More on that in a few moments. So, we've just read it, and let's pray for a moment. Father, we thank you for this psalm. I thank you for Psalm 91 and all the promises that are inside of it. And I ask that the spirit of wisdom and revelation would come to our hearts right now, that you would flood our hearts with light and truth and understanding to know what is the hope of your calling, what are the riches of the inheritance that you have in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of your power towards those of us who believe. Father, I pray for Storehouse to be a community of hope, to be a community of truth, to be a light to this city, to be a light to this nation. I pray for the bride of Christ in this hour to lay hold of these truths, Abba, and that we would not be a people that is given over to fear, But, Lord, we would be the ones that say, my Lord, my refuge, my rock in whom I trust, the one who is with me in time of trouble. We bless your name, Abba, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Let's talk first about these first couple of verses. He who dwells in the secret place or in the shelter, says in the New American Standard, of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. So this is a very important verse because really the whole entire psalm hangs upon this part. He who dwells in the secret place of the Lord shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. So the dwelling in the secret place of the Lord is the invitation and is the exhortation, and the promise is to abide in the shadow of the Almighty. So we have a part to play, and God has a part to play. Good news is our part is way, way, way smaller and way, way, way easier than God's part, at least for us. For God, it's all easy because he's God. He did Genesis 1. (laughs) But um, let's talk about this secret place. If the secret place is my part, if dwelling in the shelter, if dwelling in the secret place of the Most High is my part, um, what... What does that look like? What or where is that secret place or the shelter of the Most High, and how do I live there? Um, So I'm going to kind of answer those questions to the best of my ability together. Um, First of all, the secret place, I think the central way to view what the secret place is, what the shelter of the Most High is, is Jesus Christ himself. Because you have made the Lord even the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil will befall you, nor will any plague come near your dwelling. So what are we, what are we talking about? Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 1 and chapter 2, two of my favorite chapters in the Bible, talk about our position in Christ, what God has done for us, the love he's lavished on us, and the position that he's given us, that he's raised us into. Um, And and I'm not going to turn there right now, but we may be familiar with it. But get in Ephesians 1 and 2, because this little two words are just power-packed with a lot of uh, powerful words that follow it. But these two words, in him, tell us a lot about this secret place. In him, we have been predestined to adoption as sons. We have been chosen in him. In him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. In him we have been sealed by the Holy Spirit for the day of redemption. That we have been raised up into the heavenly realms in Jesus Christ. 
that we are seated in Christ in the heavenly realms. Jesus Christ, as we unite ourselves to him, as we turn to him, what do I mean by that practically? I say yes to Jesus. I'm going to follow you, Jesus. I'm going to sever all of my association with the kingdom of darkness, with the ways of the world, and I'm going to say, yes, Jesus, I'm following you. We get born again. We, get, uh, we go down in water. We die. We get buried. That old life gets buried in the waters of baptism. We're raised up in newness of life. We get filled with the Holy Spirit. God comes to live inside of us. See, whew, guys, I love talking about the indwelling Holy Spirit. It's the best gift that God could ever give us, and it's a gift we'll enjoy for all of eternity. And we get a, a measure of it now of what eternity is going to be like, and it's God in man, God dwelling in man. See, we talk about dwelling in God, but it's also this element of God. We choose to dwell in God, but God's saying, I want to dwell in you. I want to make you my dwelling place. And, and that's, that's really, it's the same thing. When God dwells in us, we're dwelling in God. God's a lot bigger than us. But somehow he dwells in us and we dwell in him. John 17, Jesus prayed to the Father, I in them and you in me, I in them, I in them, I in them, and you, Father, in me, Jesus is praying, that they may be one in us, in us, that, that we can be pulled into the heart of the creator of the universe and dwell and abide in that place for all of eternity. Somebody get excited about being in Jesus. Come on, people. We were dead in our transgressions and sins, but we've been made alive together in Christ Jesus. This is really good news. Oh, Lord, that they may be one in us, that we'd be one in the Lord. So under the old covenant, under the covenant of Moses, um, the, the uh, Mosaic covenant, some have called it, we had an earthly temple that was a copy of the temple in heaven. The Lord said to Moses, write down this blueprint, build this, this tabernacle according to the pattern I showed you on the mountain. So Moses goes up to the mountain and sees the heavenly tabernacle, and he makes a copy of it on the earth. I mean, there's just a lot to think about in that statement right there. Um, but we had that earthly temple. They had um, the outer courts, but then you got in closer, and they had the holy place where only certain priests could minister. But then there was what yet another place. I promise I'm not going to walk off the stage. Um, if I do, hopefully I will levitate. Um, <laughs> come on, like Jean Grey in X-Men Apocalypse, the best scene in that movie. <laughs> I got to make an X-Men or Lord of the Rings reference, you know, as much as possible when I preach. So we go outer courts, holy place, and then holy of holies. Where the Ark of the Covenant was, this, this wooden box with these carved out angels, these cherubim on top of it, um, with the mercy seat. You can read more about it in Exodus, Leviticus, and Hebrews. Um, and then inside the Ark, you had a number of items, and, and I, can, I can go into all of them, um, but we're not going to do that today. But the point is, is that God, God would come and meet with the priest in that place, that God met and dwelled there. And this Ark of the Covenant was serious business. God had very specific instructions and protocol. It wasn't just, you know, you, whoever just touches that and moves it across the, across the room. 
It was certain people had to do it in a certain way because the presence and the holiness of God was so powerful that actually, you know, bad things happened that people did it wrong. Um, so, um, so the presence of God was dwelling in that tabernacle, in that most holy of holies. Um, and then um, as the high priest would go into the mo- most holy place once a year, he would, make a, he would make sacrifices and sprinkle blood over the mercy seat on the Ark of the Covenant on behalf of the people. And so God would meet there. Um, we see a similar thing with Moses before the tabernacle was built. God would, God would meet with Moses in the tent of meeting. Um, and, and he would go out away from the camp by himself, and he would meet with the Lord in this tent. And the, and the cloud of God's glory would descend upon the tent, and, it would, and he would meet with Moses. So, um, but under that old covenant, under that old system, which is a copy and a shadow of something even greater, God met with certain people in a certain place. All of Israel is God's people, but only certain priests could go into the holy place, and only the high priest could go into the most holy place. Under the new covenant, we have a greater mediator than Moses named Jesus Christ. We have a greater covenant, a better covenant than what they received at Mount Sinai and based on better promises. And in Jesus Christ, he has torn the veil of his flesh and he's given us access into the heavenly realm. Hebrews 10 this new and living way, that through the sacrifice of Jesus, now every one of God's people can boldly come before the throne of grace to find mercy and grace to help in time of need. You have just as much access to God as I do. You have just as much access to God as, name your favorite preacher, pastor, Randy Clark, Heidi Baker, Moses, Matthew, Rob's favorite. You have just as much access to that. And so what Hebrews is telling us to do is by the blood of Jesus, we have our consciences sprinkled clean, that all of that guilty um, weight on our minds and on our hearts from sin can be cleansed and removed by the blood of Jesus so that it says now we can come boldly by faith entering the most holy place in a greater tabernacle in heaven. And I tell you, not only is it this glorious realm to view in heaven, it is Jesus Christ that we step into, that we are seated in the heavenly places in Jesus Christ, that he is the way and he is the destination. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High, he who lives in Jesus, he who lives in Christ. How do I live in Christ? You, by faith, say, Jesus, I am severing all agreement with the kingdom of darkness. It's called repentance. You turn away from dead works and turn towards Jesus Christ. Submit to him as Lord of your life. You stay submitted to him. Because we are in Christ now, we have the Holy Spirit, but the Bible says walk in the Spirit. Jesus says abide in me, remain in me, stay here, stay in communion with the Lord. The blood of Jesus shelters us from danger. We're going to take communion at the end of this. At the Passover, as the Israelites were coming out of Egypt 
they, they celebrated this Passover feast and they sprinkled, the, they, and by sprinkled, I mean they totally, really splattered is a better word. I don't mean to be graphic, but I mean, Old Testament's pretty graphic, let's just say. Um, they splattered blood over the doorposts, the blood of the lamb, and, the, and that angel of death passed over them. There was a shelter of the Most High that they lived in. They literally lived in. They put the blood of the Lamb over their dwelling place, and they hid themselves in that dwelling place, and the blood of the Lamb caused that death and that pestilence to pass over them. In the New Covenant, the blood of Jesus, as we, we appropriate the blood of Jesus, we say, God, thank you for the blood of Christ that I am washed and cleaned by the blood of Jesus. That blood of Jesus, it, it, it is a protection against the evil one. Roman, or Revelation 12, 11, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony, and not loving their lives even to death. The blood of Jesus, it shelters us from danger. Um, some people get, you know, we're in a real spiritual, charismatic environment, which I love why I'm here. <laughs> you know, I just like look for the next level of crazy, you know, and see how I can join it. Um, but no, really why I'm here is the worship and, and the people. I love worship here. Um, I love our worship team. I want to give the Hickmans a hand just for stewarding such awesome worship here. And all of our worshipers continue clapping for each one of them. They are amazing. Um, but um, a number of people are, are very prophetic. They see in the spirit and um, they see what angels are doing. They see what demons are doing. And uh, we'll talk more about that next week. Um, for he sent his angels charge over us. So we're going to talk about angels next week. Um, but, but sometimes when I get a little concerned, when there's just this hyper focus on the activity of the enemy in a way that's producing all kinds of fear and anxiety amongst the people of God. Now, the Bible says, do not be unaware of the strategies of Satan. We don't want to ignore the fact that the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. We don't want to ignore the fact that if we don't deal with an anger, an offense, and a relationship, that it gives the devil a place. Ephesians 4, 21. Don't give the devil a place. Um, however, every time that the, the devil is mentioned in the Bible, there's also a way to overcome him. Anytime Jesus warns about trouble in the earth, there's a way to overcome that trouble. I, Jesus says, has, have overcome the world. Um, so um, I, had, I had a seer friend who just regularly sees and dreams like crazy um, um, of, of angelic, of demonic activity. And anytime he felt that sense of, of oppression, um, he would go in his room, he would take communion. And I mean, this little 20-year-old country boy was just... Every time I take communion, it breaks that oppression every single time, you know. <laughs> and I just like, man, this 20-year-old, you know, he's got it, you know. <laughs> I was like 24 at the time, so, you know. But um, taking communion is really important, which is why we're going to take it. But the, but the point is the blood of Jesus is more powerful than any work of darkness. The secret place the shelter of the Most High. It is in Christ, so I've, I've kind of given you some theological and some maybe a little, like, how can I really connect practically with this questions floating through your mind? Um, the shelter of the Most High, the secret place, Jesus is pursued very practically by two things, time and obedience. Time, obedience. 
Jesus says, when you pray, go in your room and shut the door. Go pray in secret because my Father lives. He dwells in the secret place. How do I get in the secret place of the Most High? Go be with God privately. Shut that door. It's a song we sang in choir. Um, so, No, not today. Not today. I need four other basses with me. It was a, it was a solo men's uh, ensemble chorus. So <laughs> it was lots of fun. Um, but shut the door. Get alone. Um, shut the door physically, but shut the door to this guy right here. See this? This is one of your biggest distractions from encountering the Lord. It can be. It can help you. But, um, you know, well, I like to play worship. I like to play worship on my phone. I'm not going to lie. But I like shut it off, shut it down. If it takes, I'm not seeing it, stick it on airplane mode for a little bit, for goodness sake. I mean, just shut the door to the outside world for whatever amount of time. Go and be with God. We have a position in Christ by what he's done that we can never earn. But the relationship and the intimacy and the closeness that we have with Jesus is determined by are we going to give him the time that he wants? And some of us say, well, how much time do I have to give him? I work, I'm a, I'm a mom, I'm a, I'm a dad, I'm a this, I'm a that. How much time? Well, I mean, it's a relationship. So you can ask Jesus, Lord, Jesus, I, you know, and feel a little pressured by this. What, what is a reasonable amount of time I can be with you each day? And let the Holy Spirit talk to you about that. Um, the promises of Psalm 91 are not contingent upon spending eight to ten hours a day with the Lord. Because I tell you, the pestilence and the destruction and the arrow and the terror by night, they don't come when you're, got all the, you're in the bomb shelter. They come when you're out in the day-to-day. And so the people that are out in the workplace and that are doing things eight to ten hours a day, besides being at home in the prayer closet the whole time, they need Psalm 91 more than, the, more than anybody else. Um, so this is available to every single person. So we say, Jesus, how much time? Because, and this is a gift to us. This is, not, this is not something I mean to burden you with. This is something to say, Jesus, you know I need you um, in order to be successful in life, in order to enjoy this relationship that you've, you've purchased for me. Um, what, do you, what do you want? Um, and, um, and he'll lead you. He'll guide you in that. Um, but, um, but obedience, too. Jesus says, abide in me. The one who keeps my commandments, this is the one that abides in me. And this is my commandment. Love each other. Love each other. How do I obey the Lord? Look at the person in front of you. Look at the person next to you that you see and say, Lord, how do I love this person? And you live in the presence of God. Jesus loves loving people. So he's going to strengthen you. And he's going to teach you how to love people. Um, that is the shelter. That is the secret place of the Most High. Could have just spent the whole time on that. Um, but the next thing I want to talk to you about is declaring the promises of God in this psalm. Um, a few of them that we read. You will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. You'll abide in his covering. You'll abide in his protection. Um, um, the Israelites... They were protected by the cloud by day, the fire by night, um, was literally protecting them from the enemy, that God overshadows us with his presence and protects us. 
It is, he delivers us from the snare of the trapper, from deadly disease, pestilence. So you hear the, you read the news of some new um, disease or strand of virus that's broken out, is spreading. What do I do? I want to get in Psalm 91 and I want to declare, Jesus, it is written, it is you who deliver me from the deadly pestilence. And you want to declare that over yourself. You want to declare that over your family. Our tendencies, we read the news and, oh my God, what am I going to do? Get in Psalm 91. That's what I'm telling you to do. He is my refuge. He is my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And then under his wings, you seek refuge. You find a faithful, um, a safe place. And then his faithfulness is a shield and bulwark. I love the um, New Living Translation in this verse. It says that his faithful promises are your armor and protection. And we've got a whole list of really good promises um, in this psalm. Declare these over your life and family. Well, how do I know that these are for me? How do I know that I can access these promises? And it seems like this person's doing it, but I'm not. What, how do I access this? Well, 2 Corinthians 1.20, all of the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Get in Jesus. Get in connection. Give him your life. Spend time with him. Acknowledge his presence. Even now, you can acknowledge the presence of Jesus. You can acknowledge the presence of the Lord right now, right in this moment as I'm talking. And you are right now in the shelter of the Most High. And right now, he's overshadowing you. He's protecting you with his presence. If history or current circumstances cause you to doubt these promises, it's really the enemy does that. He will say, well, what about this scenario that happened then? What about this that's happening right now? What about this It looks like it's going to happen? And he gets you out of this psalm. What we do is the same thing Jesus did when Satan came against him with those flaming darts, is we say, it is written. It is written. He shall deliver me from the deadly disease. It is written that no evil shall come upon me, nor will any plague come near my dwelling. And we keep professing the word of God. We keep speaking the word of God because when we speak God's word, that we release the power of it. It's not enough to just think about these things. That when we speak them, the voice of the, of the Lord, the angels hearken at the voice of the Lord, that angels are sent to minister on your behalf as you release the word of the Lord with your mouth. Jesus says, if you say to this mountain, be taken up and removed and cast into the sea. It will be. And believe in your heart. Um, believe that, it, that, um, that you have received it. It will be done for you. It's, it's speech. It's saying. It's declaring these. So we have to declare it. And I tell you, beloved, I don't mean to undermine or uh, invalidate anything that you have gone through in your life and any pain and any trauma. And if you need prayer for that, I want, I want to pray for you. I want our team to pray for you. I've experienced that in my life. And I've had things happen. I've lost people that I love. I've seen sickness. I've experienced getting a cold. I've, ex you know, from everything is trivial to really serious when it comes to what, where haven't I not seen the breakthrough? But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep pressing in for this. I'm going to say, God, it is written. It is written here. And I'm going to start building a history of testimonies. Um, something I love about Joseph Prince, and you read his book on it, you're going to find that whole book just laced in actual testimonies of today, of this this Psalm 91 put into action and people getting um, um, saved out of car accidents, um, delivered of, of diseases, of, of all kinds of, 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 of dangerous situations. And it just builds that faith. And it says, God, I want Psalm 91. Guys, 
Ugh, we've got we've to stay with it. We've got to stay with it. Lastly, um, don't be afraid. Reject fear. Reject fear. This is just says so many times in Psalm 91, do not fear the terror by night. Do not fear the arrow that flies by day. Do not fear Kim Jong-un with missiles. Do not fear Russia. Do not fear Iran. Do not fear this new strand of virus that you just read about has been discovered. Do not fear. Why? Because if you make the most high your dwelling place, no evil shall come upon you, nor any plague come near your dwelling. We've got to declare these promises. He has not given us a spirit of fear, but of... Let's try that again. He's not given us a spirit of fear, but of... Amen. We've got to say these things. You know, in this community, we get a lot of dreams. And sometimes people have dreams of, of, of negative things happening. I had a dream. I woke up one day. Um, from a dream where I woke up in the a giant pile of rubble from a missile that had just hit the city. Um, good news is I'm on top of the rubble and I'm perfectly unharmed. So I'm like, okay, good news of this dream. And, and, I'm, in the, and I'm on the phone with my mom in the dream looking for a safe place to go. And so it's just, I take that dream like, okay, trouble's coming, but Psalm 91 happened in that dream. I'm going to contend for it. Um, I had another dream um, that I was on the phone with my mom again, and um, in this dream, she was telling me about a, about a dream that she had, and in this dream, I, as she's describing to me in my dream, the dream that she had, I'm seeing the dream that she dreamed that she's telling me in my dream. <laughs> I hope that makes sense. So um, my mom's telling me a dream in my dream that she had about a, an explosion happening in the house and that she jumped behind a keyboard and a TV set and, she, and everything around her was destroyed, but she was perfectly unharmed. Um, and in the dream, I started interpreting it for her. I said, I said the, 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 the keyboard is worship and the TV is the prophetic visions. And, and that's the promises of God. When we give ourselves to the place of worship, intimacy, relationship with the Lord, and we meditate on his promises and declare his promises, we can have safety. And I am praying with my mom in this dream. And I mean, I hear worship music start blaring in the dream as we're praying for revival and a harvest in her hometown. So it was an awesome dream. We want to come with a place of victory. I want to tell you about one more dream, and we're going to take communion. Um, we've heard about... North Korea um, having missiles and, and being, uh, having a nuclear arsenal, um, there's a dream I came across that I would encourage you to watch. I'm just going to give you a snippet of it. Um, I posted it on my Facebook, so it's the most recent post, um, by an apostolic guy named Jonathan Welton. And in the dream, he is seeing Kim Jong-un uh, um, apologize to the nations and ask forgiveness and that his destiny is actually to be a, a strong, servant-hearted leader. And he saw in the dream um, three demons that were influencing this man. Um, arrogance, ancestral momentum, and autark. Um, and basically, absolute dictatorship. So these three demons were energizing the leadership of this man. But as the, as the saints begin to pray, as certain um, particular groups within the body begin to pray that um, water came and washed away these demonic forces and that angels came in their place. An angel of humility, of servant leadership, and new creation. 
I'm like reading this. I'm like, I'm going to watch this. I'm going to pray this every day. Um, and so please watch that video. He does a great job of, of explaining it. But I mean, that takes us from that position of fear into a position of Jesus saying, I have overcome the world. What if my church would arise and stand on the promises of Psalm 91 and declare, no evil shall befall us, nor will any plague come near us. I will not fear the terror by night or the arrow that flies by day, the missile that flies by day. I will not fear, but I will stand in partnership with God and we will pray over this man to be delivered and set free. That's the posture I'm calling the church to make today. So um, let's pray um, and... Uh, Ushers, come on forward with communion elements. And Jesus does not want us to be bound by fear. He has not given us that spirit of fear. You can go ahead and distribute. He's given us a number of promises that are yes and amen in him. And he secured those promises and our access to him by the blood of his son. So as we take communion, let us remember a few things. Um, first of all, our free access to this secret place, the shelter of the Most High. Our free access to the most holy place in the heavenly realm. Our free access to the presence of God, to the throne of God, by the blood of his Son. As we take communion today, let us remember the promises of God, as we've declared in this psalm already, but every single promise of God is yes and amen in Jesus Christ. And let us remember that as the blood of the Lamb over the doorpost of the Israelites protected them in time of trouble, that the blood of the Lamb Jesus protects us in our time of trouble. So Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for your body and blood, and we thank you, Lord, for your sacrifice for us, for this free access we've been given. We thank you, King Jesus, for all the promises of God that are yes and amen in you. I ask for hope to fill our hearts right now, even as we take communion. That, Lord, to wash away disappointment, to wash away discouragement and fear, and to get that yes and amen back in our hearts. Lord, we remember you on that night before you were betrayed, that you took bread and you broke it and you said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Whenever you eat it, do this in remembrance of me. We thank you for your body. King Jesus. And Jesus, we remember that you took the cup and you gave it to your disciples and you said, drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. We thank you for your blood. Jesus name. If you'll stand with me. If we can have some just a worship recording playing.
I want us to pray because if we've been relying on anyone or anything as the primary source of our, of our safety and protection, if we've given ourselves to fear, we want to renounce those things before the Lord today. Okay. And we really want to get, and that's getting right with God, is we're getting the wrong things out of our head. We're getting out that fear, that anxiety, and we're announcing our trust in other things. Um, and we're saying, Jesus, you are my refuge and my fortress. Um, so I'm going to pray, but I encourage you to um, pray your own words before the Lord right now. If you've given yourself to fear, tell him, Jesus, I've been given to fear. Forgive me, Jesus. I'm choosing right now to trust your promises. So, Lord, we thank you again for your sacrifice for us. And we thank you that not only did you die, Jesus, but you rose from the grave. You've given us victory over death and the grave. You've given us victory over sin, over sickness, and over all the forces of the evil one. I thank you for Psalm 91 and these promises, God. I thank you for that shelter, that secret place of the Most High. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we renounce all fear. We renounce all trust in the systems of this world and the systems of man for our safety and protection. Lord, we do pray for our government. We pray for our leaders for wisdom. And in this hour, we pray for our military, and we thank you for those that are uh, um, bravely serving. We bless them, Lord, and I ask that your blessing of peace would be upon them and your wisdom would be on them. But, Lord, we're saying to you, we declare that you are our refuge and our fortress, our God in whom we trust. And it is you who delivers us from the snare of the trapper and from the deadly pestilence. We put our trust in you today, King Jesus. And, Lord, I want to pray right now over Kim Jong-un. Lord, I thank you for this dream of Jonathan Welton. Lord, I thank you that you've called Kim Jong-un to be a leader, a light to the nations, that you've called him to be a model of a leader that has submitted his life to the lordship of Jesus. We just prophesy that over him, that Kim Jong-un, that you are called to be a minister of the Most High God, that you are called to be a reflection of the light and the beauty of Jesus Christ, of the leadership of Jesus Christ. And Father, we pray right now for freedom and deliverance from that man, from every work of the evil one. Would you come by your spirit and wash away every demonic influence over his mind right now in the name of Jesus, that God, you would show him the Father's love. You would show him, God, the love of God and the fear of the Lord the awe of God would come into his heart and that you would replace every demonic influence with these angels of humility, this angel of servant leadership, this angel of new creation. And we declare that over Kim Jong-un right now in the name of Jesus. Humility, servant leadership, and new creation in the name of Jesus. And God, we thank you that you protect your people. God, I ask for storehouse to be a place where people call on you as their refuge. I ask for, as people walk in these doors, that fear melts away because there are people that call on the name of the Lord. I ask God to wash away, that you would wash away every ounce of fear or anxiety in us and replace it with this confident hope in who you are and who we are in you. We bless you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you need prayer, I want to invite you to come up to the front. If you need um, people to pray over you, to prophesy over you, if you need healing in your body, altar team, you can come on up right now. Um, um, or if you, as Tracy mentioned earlier, if you don't know Jesus, you have not given your life to the Lord, you have not been baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, um, we want to minister to you today. We want to talk to you what that's like um, and, and how to do that. Um, so I want to invite you to come up as well. So um, 
Bless you. Amen.